three, two, one. For some reason, triangles have developed a mythical place in our hearts when describing the unknown. It's become a way to classify an area if it's dangerous on our plane of existence. The Bermuda Triangle, the Devil's Triangle, the Alaska Triangle, the Dragon's Triangle, and so on and so on. But these are big triangles. They're covering thousands of square miles and oceans and, well, Alaska. There are also smaller triangles. And these triangles are in places of high strangeness. One is located in Vermont. Welcome to Quill and Dagger. I'm Jay, and across the table is Patrick. Hello. You're now allowed to talk, Patrick. Thank you. I know you've been dying to talk. So today, uh, well, first, let's tell the people we've been away for a while. We're... we're, uh, Hoping you missed us. Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, we s- Patreon, hit us up. It's going to be in the show notes. Find it. We'll take anything. Really, we will. Bottle caps. You know, we're, we're Fallout fans, so just yeah. send us a box of caps and we'll be we'll be, we'll be be uh, pretty good there. We need a P.O. box, then. Need what? A P.O. box. A P.O. box? Well, we'll, we'll do fine without a P.O. box, but... What, are we just going to share our address? No, no, we're not going to share our address. Never mind. Okay. We'll, just stop talking about that. Oh my goodness. So today Oh wait, I need to see the script. Today we're talking about the Bennington Triangle. Now, that's a new term. It was coined in the nineties by a journalist, but it supposedly affects the cities of Bennington, Woodford, Somerset, Glastonbury, and Shaftesbury. So I think it's more of like the Bennington Pentagon, but that really doesn't sound as ominous as the Bennington Triangle. Yeah. So the central point of this place is Glastonbury Mountain. It's part of the Green Mountains. So the Green Mountains, uh, if you know anything about geography and stuff like that, there's some of the oldest mountains on Earth. I don't know how you tell how old a mountain is, but the Green Mountains in Vermont are some of the oldest on Earth. Uh, you probably uh, see how old they are by looking, because mountains are formed by tectonic plates colliding. So if you can just figure out how long ago the tectonic plates collided, you'd be able to figure out when they were formed. Okay, well, you know, that just makes me feel not so uh, as intelligent. Uh, but no, these are the Green Mountains. They're, they're the, some of the oldest on the planet. So this place, uh, Glastonbury Mountain, has been a, an area of superstition and lore for thousands of years. Now, the mountain's 3,748 feet and the lore dates back all the way to Native Americans and actually the Algonquins. They spoke of a man-eating stone in the mountain. It would open up and swallow anyone unlucky enough to step on it. The Native Americans revered this mountain so much, guess what they did? They walked around it. Wow. Yeah. They they they, they, did, they feared it so much that they would... uh. Actually, just kind of go around it and not go over it. They had that much respect for it. I'd love to say that we do the same thing, but the Appalachian Trail goes directly over, right down the middle of Glastonbury Mountain. There's even a shelter on top of it if you want to uh, spend the night. Just remember, this is one of those places where people don't always come back. Yes, they've moved to Vermont. 
Between 1945 and 1950, five people went missing under what could only be called mysterious circumstances. These all happened around the town of Bennington, Vermont. Now, the first the first disappearance involved a a man, a seventy seventy four year old man named Mitty Rivers. Fun name. Yeah, yeah, it is. I guess you know. Uh, he was a hunting guide, and to say he knew the area, well, that's just an understatement. Seventy four years old, lived there his life, and he was a hunting guide. <clears throat> Dang. Now. They're actually in uh, Bennington bumps right next to the uh, Green Mountain National Forest. So there's a whole lot of uh, national forest there, you know. Makes sense. So woods and stuff. And they have these uh, landmarks. They call them hollows. Okay. So in the south, they call them hollers. You know, Uh you got to head up back into the holler. Don't go up to the holler at night. All that is is a... uh, it's a really steep valley. It's got usually a stream that runs to the middle, and the sides go really steep. So, like, uh, like occasionally, what you see in, like, I think I saw one of those in like Red Redemption too at one point. Yeah, probably most likely. It, it's a it's a naturally often, you know, it's it's a very not a rare geographical geological formation. It's just it's just called the hollow. I don't know why. But there it was. Probably because it's like hollow in between the two mountains. That's a called the valley. Anyway. Yeah, it sounds cooler. It was the end of the day, and he was leading a group of four hunters back through the area of Hell Hollow in southwest woods of Glastonbury. You know, as, as the group walked along, Maddie got ahead of the group, and the group got back to camp. They weren't really worried because, you know, the guy knows where everything is because he was not there. He was in front of them on the trail, but they beat him back to camp, which is odd. Yeah. But they weren't really worried because he was the guide. He was the guy in charge. Obviously, he should know what's going on around the area, but he he never showed. And so the next day, they they started searching. You know, there are 300 concerned citizens and army soldiers dispatched from Massachusetts, Fort Devens. They searched the area for eight days. And the only thing they found was an unspent rifle cartridge that was the same caliber as Mitty's rifle in a stream. That's the only thing they found. Wow. Now, there was no evidence of an animal attack. No body was found. Some thought a man with his experience would just show up in town, but that never happened. He was last seen along the Trail Road area and Vermont Route 9 near Brickford Hollow. Something to hollow, so I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, so it's a 74-year-old man. He's out hunting with his guy. You know, he's, he's a hunting guide, and the only thing they find is one unspent rifle cartridge. That's just weird. Yes. So up next, we have uh, Paula Jean Weldon. She was the eldest of four daughters to the industrial engineer, architect, and designer, William Weldon of Stamford, Connecticut. Paula was a graduate of Stamford High School. Now, in 1946, Paula was a sophomore at Bennington College 
in North Bennington. She lived in the Dewey House dormitory, and it was one of the oldest on campus, and remains there to this day. So you could go stay in the Dewey House. Have fun. I don't know if you could or not. It might just be a, who knows. Probably. But anyway, so Paula was determined to go on a hike this day. On December 1st, 1946, she was like, I'm going for a hike. And so after she worked in the uh, kitchen area, she worked as like a student worker there. She went back to her dorms, got dressed. She wore a, a big red jacket. That's what everybody, all the papers, all the articles are about talking about this red jacket. You could see it for days. And uh, so she wanted to walk a portion of what's called the Long Trail. The Long Trail is a uh, hiking trail that goes the length of Vermont. It's also plugged into the Appalachian Trail. So it's the Appalachian Trail that goes through Vermont is also more or less the Long Trail. And in Bennington, you can go hike some of it. And so she was going to do that. It was only a few miles from campus. She tried to get some people to go with her, but... They were busy, so she just said, you know what? I'm going to go my own. It's a nice day. So she finished her shift at the Bennington College Dining Hall, returned to her dorm, changed into some walking clothes. They were fine. It was like 50 degrees. And the weather that afternoon was very nice, very mild. And she planned to be home before nightfall when it was going to get cold. So it wasn't really a problem. She didn't take a bag. She didn't take any money. She didn't do anything that made it look as if she was not coming back and that she was only going to be gone for just a little while. So she walked down the driveway at the college, hitched a ride near the entrance point on uh, State Route 9, halfway between Bennington and Woodford Hollow, and uh, she passed a group of hikers down the way, you know, as she was walking all the way up to the Long Trail. She stopped and asked him a few questions about the trail. Then she continued walking in a northerly direction. Uh, the road portion of the trail, known as Harbor Road, which is still there today. You can look on Google's map. It's called Old Harbor Road. Well, where's New Harbor Road? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> so she was on the trail in the late afternoon and darkness was falling. As she approached the end of Harbor Road, they sort of... Nothing else. Uh, it was believed that she must have continued her walk along the Bowles Brook Valley, which is parallels Harbor Road. Okay. There's no confirmed sightings of her past what's called Fay Fuller Camp. That's a, a camp right at the end of Old Harbor Road where it turns to gravel, and then it goes gravel, then it turns into trail. Okay. Now, her, her father was a wealthy industrialist. So, at this time in Vermont, Vermont didn't have a state police. What's a state police? You know, like the Florida Highway Patrol, or Florida Department of, uh, or Florida, uh, Georgia State Police, or GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, the, Illinois Bureau, you know, there was no unified police organization that covered the entire state. So it was just like... It a, was just county sheriffs and county sheriffs and county sheriffs. Just kind of getting along? What? Just kind of getting along with each other? Well, yeah, but what it did in an instance like this is there was no resources to pull everything together to go look to one place. So 
As a result of that, her family put up the cost for the search. And uh, him being a wealthy industrialist was able to bring in hundreds of volunteers. The National Guard troops were hired, firefighters. And they looked for weeks. And when she wasn't found, all kinds of theories just started popping up. You know, she eloped. She ran away. What's she, an eloped? Uh, ran away, got married to some guy. Secret. Oh, okay. She became injured and suffered amnesia, kidnapped or murdered. But nothing was ever found. They know the general route she took. It was not a route that is untraveled. It's traveled quite a bit, actually. Uh, they searched for weeks through the woods, you know, get into a line and walk. Never found anything. Just up and gone. Poof. Yeah. <clears throat> so the hunter who just vanished, but he should have known how to get out. Yeah. The college student who just vanished. She wasn't even deep in the mountains or deep in the woods or anything. She was still fairly close to where, you know, look down the trail and see the lights of the city type of thing. And this one, this guy, this number three, it's it's really weird. Yeah, I know. I read the first sentence. So, James Tedford went missing on December 1st, 1949. Interestingly enough, it's the same day that uh, Paula went missing. She went missing on December 1st, 1946. Three years later to the day. Dang. So that's interesting. <clears throat> now, we say missing because, you know, that's a term for can't find, but so is vanished. And the story is he served in World War II in the early 40s. And when he got home, he and his wife Pearl lived in a comfortable life in a small town by Gilson Mountain. When he finally got home, all he found was an empty house. Well, it was... It had all the furniture and everything, but there was just no wife. No sign of Pearl. There was a meal left on the table. Now, people had noticed her walking to the grocery store that day. People saw her that day. So, like, he's on the train coming back from war, and she's out shopping, getting groceries. And then by the time he gets to the house, dinner's made, she's gone. So, this is beforehand? Yeah, this is before. Okay. So, she's gone. And all he has is this, this meal in front of him, and she was never seen again. Now, her disappearance had a significant impact on James. He fell into a deep depression. He didn't understand why she left. They, they had kept up great contact. They wrote lots of letters during the war. So they, everything seemed to be like he was coming home to a welcoming family, that she was going to be there, and just it was all, everything was going to work out. So, now, there used to be a thing called a soldier's home. Yeah. And it's sort of like a retirement home for soldiers who have special needs. Okay, sort of a quasi-hospital type thing. Okay. And so, James went and moved into the Bennington soldier's home. 
uh, and that and he suffered from severe depression. He was in his sixties, and so a few years after her disappearance, James goes missing. On December first, he took a bus to St. Albans City. That's a uh, north on a uh, Route Seven. It takes by bus. It took about eight hours then. So he went up there to go spend some time with relatives. Now, after a while, his relatives took him back to the bus station. And said, "Go home. Get out of here." No, they uh, you know, his time. He came up there, stayed a few days, and he was going to catch the bus and go back to the to his normal life. And uh, they saw him get on the bus. Okay, these are all like police report documents documented. They saw him get on the bus. And for the majority of the journey, everything was normal. There were a total of 14 passengers on the bus. Oh, boy. Now, apparently James did not get off the bus a single time. So the bus would stop at cities along the way. People would get on, people get off, they'd go use the bathroom, all those kinds of stuff, right? Okay. And uh, the bus driver and the people never saw James get off the bus. But it when it, when it arrived in Bennington, Vermont, he wasn't on the bus. Wow. His luggage and an open bus timetable were sitting in the seat next to his on the bus. But he was gone. Now, they searched for this guy. I don't know where. I guess you can only search a bus so much. But yeah. they searched. They couldn't find anything. I mean, he's just like gone. And no trace of him was ever found. So that's three really weird vanishing acts. Yeah. Now, on October 12th, 1950, eight-year-old Paul Jepson went missing in the area of Bennington. He was playing in the cab of a pickup truck. While his mother went to check on the pigs. Okay. When she came back, he was gone. She looked around the area, couldn't find him. Then she sent out the word and hundreds of people showed up and they searched all the way around the big circles around the farm they were at. And, you know, the dogs did get a scent and they followed it toward the Glastonbury Mountain. There it is again. But they lost it at a crossroads. So the dogs had the scent, and then all of a sudden, gone. And the boy was never found. Wow. Now, 16 days later, Frida Langer, she went missing. Because she was on a camping trip with several family members, and they were in the woods near Glastonbury Mountain. Oh, no. Yeah. They're fools. The fifty-three-year-old, yeah, the fifty-three-year-old Langer went on a hike with her cousin Herbert. They left the campsite and walked toward the Somerset Reservoir, and she fell into a stream apparently. And, one, and they were just like a hundred yards from the campsite, and she wanted to go back and change. So uh, her cousin he waited there for her to run back and change clothes, and but she 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 never came back, and so wow. he. Went back to camp 
And people at camp were like, she never came here. We're don't, what are you talking about? So more than 400 people scoured the area and found nothing. Okay. Seven months later, they found her body near the Somerset Reservoir. Now, this is a place where they were going to. So it was a hike from their campsite. And she was last seen going the opposite direction of the reservoir to her campsite. They never saw her at the campsite. And then they searched all the campsite and everything around the campsite. And they didn't find anything until somebody found a body near the reservoir. So she managed to be so bad at navigation, she managed to walk what I'm assuming is like a couple miles in the wrong direction. I mean, it. you could... No. No? No, no. Uh, the case is still unsolved. Now, she was the only of the disappearances ever found. So, we could come up with rational explanations for, well, pretty much all of these. Now, how much truth there is into those rational explanations, it's... We don't know. But there are some weird things that uh, Glastonbury Mountain the mystical places from the Algonquin Indians in the area uh, what do they know yeah what do they know you know weird stuff still exists out there people are still afraid to go up the mountain people are still afraid of that area now, my question to you is this happened over a five year period. Has it only just happened over the five year period? Or are we only know about these really weird disappearances over the five year period and there might be more? Uh there's probably more. And it also brings into the idea of Well, you know, uh there was the legend of the Algonquin Indians where if somebody stood on a certain stone, they would be eaten, okay, or vanish. So, is this science fiction? Well, I mean, one of them doesn't make sense, sense according to that legend because it was on a bus, unless we're talking about a really small pebble. Yeah, the bus one, it really is quite mysterious i think that one might be nobody just saw him get off the bus but everyone seems pretty adamant that he was there and just didn't get off but that one is to me that one's the weirdest that one's the hardest to explain but i mean i think nowadays most cameras have buses so like they just see him vanish most cameras have buses yes yeah well, this was a uh, 1950, so the camera was the size of the bus. Eh. So you can fit a person in a camera. Okay. Yeah, you probably could. Maybe he was hiding the camera. He was hiding in the police camera. But yeah, just just gone. And uh, Paula Weldon's is that the number two. That one's deeply mysterious because of such the search effort. They called in the army to search for this girl. They called in the Massachusetts state police to search for this girl. They called in thousands of volunteers to search for this girl. 
and nothing. But she didn't go that far up the long trail. She didn't go that far into the woods. It should have been like, oh, there she is, but nothing. And she was wearing a bright red jacket. And the rest of the thing, it wasn't green, it was snowy. So you're looking at a white landscape. It's well, literally just spot the right object. Yeah, pretty much. And they were just like, can't do. No, nothing happened. They were all colorblind. They were. So, I don't know about this one. I mean, this sounds like a really a, a cool place. I'd love to go see it. Uh, hopefully, I'd come back. I'll just, what I'll do is I'll just tie a string to me and tie it to the car and only go like 100 yards in each direction and then move the car. That way, I'm always attached to the car. Well, by the sounds of it, it sounds like that won't help you. You think the car would go missing? Yes. Okay, well, the bus stayed, so we'll just drive a bus. Yes. That's how you solve this. That's how I solve this, yes. But, uh, yeah. Well, that concludes this version of uh, Quill and Dagger. It's a little rough, I'll admit it. It's rough. Patrick just couldn't get his face next to the microphone the whole time. Hey, my face is in front of the microphone. Thank you very much. Now it sounds good. It does. But don't worry, we got more in store for you. We got some stuff. We already got scripts written. And we're going to talk about them. We're going to take our time, too. We're not going to take our time. We're not going to take we our time. We want people to, to know that we're here. We're reliable. We're, we're, we're entertaining. And we want their support through Patreon and through liking our show, putting uh, giving us five stars and telling their friends, hey, you should listen to these lunatics. You yeah. might learn something. Learning. Uh, I don't know what, but you might learn something. So anyway, uh, for Patrick over there across the table, I'm Jay, and we'll talk to you later. Hello. No, no. Say goodnight, Gracie. Oh, goodnight, Gracie.